Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Namihi nui. I'm Alison Balance, and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ. This week, we're celebrating New Zealand's annual research honours, with interviews with some of the winners. In a year when, for the first time, more than half of the awards went to women. Professor Lisa Matasu-Smith is a molecular anthropologist at the University of Otago. She's won the 2018 Mason Jury Medal for her groundbreaking work using DNA to understand human migrations. So I'm interested in humans, human behavior, human adaptation, uh, human history, and I use molecular tools to answer those questions. The main area of research that I have been focusing on is um, the settlement of the Pacific and using molecular tools, which basically means using DNA data to answer questions about uh, human origins in the region, how people settled the Pacific, and now increasingly what the implications of that are for, for example, some of the health issues that are facing Pacific peoples today and really integrating an evolutionary and anthropological approach to understanding human health. Paint a picture for me about how the Pacific was peopled and talk a bit about the work that you've been doing, which is a lot of collaborative work with people across the Pacific. Absolutely. As I've always said, the settlement of the Pacific is truly one of the greatest uh, migration events in human history. An incredible feat of knowledge and um, skill and guts uh, for people to actually uh, cross the great distances of ocean um, to, to explore and settle the islands of the Pacific. We know that people left island Southeast Asia, you know, probably four to 5,000 years ago. We know that they arrived first in, in the islands off the north coast of New Guinea, the Bismarck Archipelago, about 3,300 years ago or so. And we see the material culture that we describe as the Lapita culture being a marker of those movements of people. And they ultimately reach the edge of the Polynesian Triangle, Samoa and Tonga, about 2,900 years ago. So... Polynesian origins can be traced back to those Lapita populations, but we think that there may be some additional complexity and, and that perhaps there were other people coming in uh, after that period in time, maybe 1,500 years ago, uh, 1,200 years ago, that um, perhaps drove the, the next burst out from Samoa Tonga region into Central East Polynesia, into the Cook Islands, the Society Islands, and ultimately up to Hawaii, out to Rapa Nui, and down to Aotearoa, arriving here, you know, 750 years ago or so. So how do you do that using DNA? We've taken a number of approaches, and I think it's important to take a number of approaches because it is quite a potentially complicated um, scenario and different lines of evidence are likely to give us a more complete picture of what's going on. So we look at the archaeology and the linguistics. I use the DNA data, um, which means initially I started looking at the DNA of animals that the colonists who came out into the Pacific carried with them in their canoes. And we used the animal models to track the movement of, of the founding 
um, canoes and and identify relationships there. So I started looking at the DNA of the Kiori, our Rattus excellens, uh, the Pacific rat. And so we could find out where the New Zealand lineages that we see in Kiori in New Zealand today, where they came from, and we trace those back to both the Cook Islands and the Society Islands and multiple islands in those archipelagos, which indicated, again, a, a large number or multiple canoes coming and bringing rats to Aotearoa. We then started looking at some of the other animals, the dogs that were brought down here um, from the Pacific. We also looked at pigs and chickens, neither of which were brought to Aotearoa, but um, that were transported by these people who crossed the Pacific uh, 3,000 years ago and through until the settlement of, of Aotearoa. And then as time went on and as relationships were established with um, communities and communication and and trust was established. We then moved on to looking at DNA uh, of the people themselves when when people were ready and, and wanting that to be done. We look at the DNA of people living in, in the Pacific today and try to reconstruct, but we can also now use ancient DNA recovered from archeological remains of animals, uh, uh, but also of, of people where communities are willing and, and interested in, in our uh, undertaking those kinds of studies. So we can actually look at what the DNA um, makeup was of individuals living in a particular place at a particular time. So we can then start to compare that to modern populations and um, understand the, the relationships. Do we have continuity um, through time or do we see changes that might be associated with different peoples coming and going? What was the the impact of European arrival in the Pacific and the introduction of European diseases, which had a devastating impact on many Pacific communities. Um, is that perhaps uh, a major event in shaping the genetic makeup that we see in the Pacific today? I think mitochondrial DNA has been an important tool for you. Can you explain that for me? So when most people think about DNA, they think about it, you know, kind of a, as a blueprint, and we know that it's more complicated than that. But it's the DNA that you inherit, you know, from both of your parents. Your nuclear DNA that you get from both your parents is is mixed up in every generation. But a wonderful tool for molecular anthropologists, people interested in, in reconstructing historic relationships, is looking at DNA that doesn't get mixed up every generation. It's inherited in a nice, clean line of descent. And mitochondrial DNA is one of those genetic markers that's passed down solely through the maternal line. And so we can see, in a sense, the movement of women um, across space and through time. We can also look at the Y chromosome um, from males that tells us about the paternal history. But it's the combination of, I think, all of these approaches that can tell us about the complexities, not only of the movement of people, but also some of the social structure by being able to look at mitochondrial DNA and Y chromosome DNA combined with nuclear DNA, we can see, you know, is the history of the migration of women uh, different from the history of migration of men, which is, it is very commonly, if you think about male sailors and whalers and, and warriors moving across the landscape and raping and pillaging, you're going to have the introduction of specific Y chromosomes that without the mitochondrial lineages uh, coming along from that population, where uh, when you see both uh, mitochondrial and Y chromosomes coming from a particular location or, or movement of populations, that tells you generally that you've got more of a, a settlement um, 
structure, or it can tell you about, you know, uh, for example, the movement of a mitochondrial lineages can tell us about the matrilineal and matrilocal structure of a, of a community. Do you move to your wife's family or with your wife's family uh, when a couple gets married? Or do you stay with the husband's family? And so that will cause different patterns of, of distributions of mitochondrial and Y chromosome markers uh, across a landscape. You did some groundbreaking work with Rangatani or Wairo Iwi at Wairo Bar. Yeah, that's a, a very exciting project um, that is ongoing. And it is the result of a collaboration between Rangatani and Wairo. Uh, the Canterbury Museum and the University of Otago and several several of my colleagues here. It began with a request for repatriation of Koiwi Tangata to Wairabar by Rangatane. Rangatane approved and supported uh, our analyses of, of the ancient DNA and in addition to a number of other studies um, undertaken by some of my colleagues. And so we were able to obtain complete mitochondrial genomes from the closest representatives that we have of, of the founding population for Aotearoa, because Wairabar is one of the, the earliest archaeological sites in New Zealand and the only site that actually has the burials of, of a number of individuals. And so we were able to obtain the first uh, complete mitochondrial genomes from the first New Zealanders, and that was pretty exciting. Um, but we were able to combine it with some of the work that I was doing as part of a, a Cook Fellowship um, with the Royal Society and the Africa Aotearoa project and sample uh, rangatane uh, members today and do look at their mitochondrial DNA and then provide the genetic connection between the population of, of Rangitani today and their tupuna um, from Warabar. How many people arrived in New Zealand, do you think, in the beginning? It's very difficult to, to give any specific numbers, but um, all of the evidence, both the, the molecular evidence, the archaeological evidence, and the oral traditions are certainly indicative of what we have referred to as, as a mass migration. You know, we're talking hundreds of women and probably I would I would suggest um, likely to be coming from a range, a number of locations within East Polynesia. Obviously, there's been a lot more migration into New Zealand in the last couple of hundred years. And you have looked at that genetic diversity as well. Can you tell me a bit about that work? Yeah, that's been, a, a again, a, a very uh, enjoyable project that includes both interesting science and community engagement. I looked at over 2,000 people across the country. We focused on five major cities of Auckland, Hamilton, uh, Wellington, Christchurch, and Dunedin, but also did some smaller regional sampling of, of random people. So I would go to markets and late night food markets or farmers markets, and we'd ask for volunteers to take DNA samples, we just do a cheek swab. And then I looked at the mitochondrial DNA or the maternal ancestry of, of New Zealanders across the country. And what we found was that all of the major mitochondrial lineages that exist, all of the branches of the, the human family tree in terms of their mitochondrial lineages are found here in Aotearoa. So the story of, of human migrations beginning in Africa and ultimately ending up here, the last landmass that was settled by humans. We carry that history, that great human history in, in our DNA as New Zealanders. Thanks, Lisa. Mason Jury Medal winner Lisa Matasu-Smith is from the University of Otago. I'm Alison Balance and this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ on the 18th of October 2018. 
to find out more about this podcast and find interviews with other winners of New Zealand's 2018 Research Medals, head to our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. You'll find all sorts of interesting things there, including science award winners from previous years and a whole lot of other stuff, from astronomy to ultra-cold physics. We hang out on Facebook and Twitter as RNZ Science. We are a podcast available on your favourite podcast provider. Look for us under RNZ, Our Changing World. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Kia pai tōra. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.